flags in 100 years. The shithouse, if you think we'll be insightful, clever or just well researched. We're here to say that's not the case, we'll just go out and wing it. We are two guys, one cop. It is a Wednesday, the 24th of April. Welcome to Two Guys, One Cup, an AFL podcast. Uh, this is the first one, Charlie, that we've... Uh, oh, sorry, I'm Will Anderson. And I'm Charlie Clawson. Yeah, get going. <laughs> and this is the first one, Charlie, that uh, w- this season that we've recorded on the day that there is a game. But I'm not blaming us for that because we're recording on a Wednesday, which is pretty good for us in this podcast. But unfortunately, we are in this period of time where yesterday was the only time in like 10 days or something that there isn't a game of footy. Yeah, so... Uh Again, you're not. Uh, uh, you haven't got Foxtel this year, um, so you've missed the the latest promo. They're promoting this as the football, festival of football because there's only a festival one day of football. Is it? Yeah, ten days of football from the 18th to the 28th of April. Festival of football, and the promo is they. Um, it's a mock press conference, and so it's a bunch of different superstars from different teams uh, reading an apology, as you might see. You know, if a, a player has infringed. In some way, uh, and they apologise to like the the family of football fans. Sorry, Will's cat is attacking Will's microphone. <laughs> My cat has literally started just biting the microphone and clawing the microphone. So, Church, we're, we're working okay. on a bit. All right, would you let us get the bit done? Then you can attack the microphone. Church, I know it's a big year for the cats, but <laughs> no need to get cocky at this stage of the season. Boo! Stop! Boo! Church, stop drinking boo. your own bath water. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so it's a bunch of different um, superstar players like reading this pre-prepared apology about, you know, sorry, because it's the Vessel Football. You have to say goodbye to your loved ones. Remember to take toilet breaks. But the first guy reading the apology is Andrew Gaff. So when I first saw it, I was like, oh, shit. Like, the Mia Culpa has continued into 2019. I mean, I'm assuming that was a deliberate, uh, a, a deliberate move by the the promo department at Fox Footy, right? Well, let's give them credit that it was a deliberate move because I think it's quite a ballsy move in the start to brand it the Festival of Football when technically what it is is Easter and Anzac Day, <laughs> which are both in their own right festivals of their own. Probably yeah. don't actually need like you know major rebranding Easter and Anzac Day, but sure, good on Fox for giving it a go. What I love is like. I would love to get someone from the Fox footy marketing department on. Like I would love to hear how these head surfing slash save the hashtag, save the dribble festival to football, how these ideas get green lit. That's what we need. I'm I'm pretty sure we put this call out last year, but if anyone has any contacts at Fox footy and there's someone who can answer some questions for us, we'd love to hear from you. Well, the truth of it is that I have contacts at Fox footy. I mean, literally Eddie McGuire works at Fox footy. Yeah. But the marketing (laughs) department, Eddie's yeah, but he'd know people. He'd be able to put me on to somebody. Well, why don't you chase it up? We'll do a bit of it. Like, use that journalism degree you got all those years ago. <laughs> Bloody hit the streets. Well, I've, I had forgotten that we wanted to interview on our football podcast the person who puts the promos together <laughs> at Fox Footy. But now that you've reminded me, I am happy to follow that up and we can do an in-depth interview with them and their creative process. Now, in this apology ad, they're just apologizing to their family, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, okay, because like it would be even more edgy if they were like, look, we'd like to apologize to the diggers, 
that we're going to ignore your enormous sacrifice so that we can watch football. We're going to apologize to Jesus Christ. Uh, we're going to ignore your family, uh, yeah. your church. Now I'm going to be at the football. Uh, to my family, I know it's school holidays and I'm meant to be away with the kids, but I'm watching the football. I'd really like to apologize for being a terrible person all around. Well, I think if there's one thing like uh, footy fans don't seem that intent on apologizing to Christians, do they? It's more about booing no. them. <laughs> Um, should we just briefly talk about that nonsense while that we're on yes. the topic of it? Uh, did you watch the uh, the Geelong Hawthorne game? I only saw the first two quarters. Okay, well, I yeah, I watched the whole game, and it, yet again, those two teams just roll them out on that day, and they are going to give you something to enjoy. It was it was a really enjoyable game of football to watch. But Geelong, my preseason premiership tip, Charlie, yeah, uh, are doing nothing to dissuade me from uh, that notion at this point. Like, Gary Ablett was, gee, that was just a fantastic game. I mean, he took a screamer, as somebody said on the day, uh, now one of the top 100 Gary Ablett marks belongs to Gary Ablett Jr. But he took a screamer. I heard Paddy Dangerfield being interviewed afterwards about the fact that Ablett doesn't normally take, you know, big marks and that uh, when Ablett watched the mark back on the replay, he was really disappointed (laughs) because he thought he'd been like standing on his head because he felt like he was up so high. And then he saw the replay and realised he didn't even really get up that high. Yeah. Well, also because he's got such a squat low centre of gravity, him getting a foot off the ground would feel like 10 feet. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, so he's being booed. Um, by the crowd, which has actually been happening for a while. He's, he was getting booed at Gold Coast. And certainly since he's come back to Geelong, he's been getting booed. Mm. But it did seem to have more intensity to it on Monday. Part of that is probably because Hawthorne fans, traditionally, good booers. Good, mm. strong booers. That's yeah. a club, if you're a person who's going to be booed, that you must hate going up against because they are big booers, Hawthorne fans. Yeah, and I think it also feeds into our narrative that Hawthorne are the villains of 2019. It does sort of fit that kind of, if they're the sort of rich boy frat house who like to, you know, mock others, it does sort of, it, 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 it does fit the narrative. Uh, so the other reason that people were speculating about on the day was it was the crowd sending a protest about the fact that Gary Ablett had liked a tweet that Israel Folau had put up. Now, Israel Folau's tweet was pretty offensive to a whole bunch of people, but particularly to uh, homosexuals. He, he claimed that a whole bunch of people were going to go to hell. And, yeah. um, uh, and including those people were homosexuals. If they didn't repent, they were going to burn in hell. And yeah. I mean, that, 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 as many people have pointed out, the list of people who he sent were going to hell seems like a pretty good list of invites to a party. Like all those people that are going to hell, I'd love to hang out with. I mean, essentially, he just described everybody who was at the festival club on the last night of the comedy festival. (laughs) (laughs) And the festival club on the last night of the comedy festival is much like hell, I imagine. So, um, yeah. And, but obviously, he has a contract and he's not meant to do that, but he's deeply religious, Israel Folau. And if you're going to, I'm not defending in any way what he did, but I don't think it's very surprising that somebody who is fundamentally religious has that view plenty of people who are fundamentally religious have that exact view you know if you believe in the old testament of the bible that is he's just repeating what's there in the book you know in the rule book Mm. um gary ablett is deeply religious as well and and liked it um and then later it came out and sort of said 
you know, that he loves all people and, you know, that he was only really supporting, you know, the fact that Israel's strong about his religion rather than, you know, the content of it. But well, he, li- he liked and then unliked it. So, I mean, there was like a genuine act of contrition there, a very Christian act yeah. of contrition. Right. He, he unliked it and then he explained what he had done. So, Charlie, what do you think of the theory that the commentators were putting forward? Yeah. That, uh, that 40,000 people had decided without a conversation with each other that they would voice their displeasure at him liking a tweet by booing him on that day because that seemed to be the line that the commentators were running with. Well, it seems, well, this is not uncommon. I mean, you've heard the phrase, an ironic cheer goes up from the crowd. And as we've we've discussed in this show, so that's the crowd going, look, we are cheering, but just know that the intended meaning of our cheering is not to cheer you on, but the opposite of the intended state of the stated cheering. So... what do you think about the booing then? I think the booing was just, he's Gary Ablett. You know, you boo the best player of the opposite team. Uh, you know, when I used to go to the footy and you know, we had Plugger, Plugger would always get booed. I mean, there was a bit of a grey area because Plugger could knock your head off as well as kick 10 goals against you. But that's what you do. And also it's that history. You know, if you go back to 89, it's his dad. Like Hawthorne, uh, Hawthorne have a particular hatred of anyone with the surname Ablett. Well, also the fact that, you know, Gary Ablett, of course, Gary Ablett Sr., originally played at Hawthorne before he went to Geelong. And so technically, Gary Ablett Jr. could have gone to Hawthorne under father-son if Ablett had stuck around at Hawthorne. And there was another Ablett who played. Gary Ablett Sr.'s brother actually did play at Hawthorne for a few years, right? Was his name Trevor Ablett or something? Tony Ablett. Tony Ablett. Wasn't Tony Ablett? Yeah, it was Tony Ablett. He yeah. always played in red speedos. You know Tony Ablett <laughs> ate a raw onion before the game. Tony Ablett always trying to overthrow the leader. Tony Ablett. I mean, the the first half of footy that I saw when he was getting booed, I just assumed it was because in that passage of play in that two minutes where he took that screamer and then kicked that check side on the run, I just assumed that's what the booing was for. Yeah, anyway, so we, we can move on from that nonsense. Who's, who cares? He's a champion player, and I'm glad that he's playing like a champion player. Geelong are good, though. Geelong yes. are a good side. Dangerfield's playing you know, absolutely fantastic football, but you know who I just think is amazing, and they've got to do whatever they can to keep him, is Kelly. He is an absolute gun. And, you know, what he's brought to their midfield and enabled, you know, Selwood and Dangerfield and Ablett all to play out, outside that midfield who, who are all dominating now. Mm. He was just magnificent. Well, will it be a kind of uh, Buddy Franklin or danger situation where it's like, well, if you get us to a flag this year, then, okay, we'll shake hands. You go back to WA and, you know, good luck to you, sir. Thanks for everything. Well, I mean, it makes it easier, doesn't it? If they yeah. win a premiership, it makes it easier to, to lose him. But they, they would be desperate to keep him. Oh, they'd be desperate to keep him. But I reckon if I was a Cats fan, and in, in exchange could get a flag and two first-round draft picks with the midfield that they already have, because it's not like that's their most efficient area and if they lose him, there's a huge gap. I wouldn't be too worried. Well, the one thing I will say is he's driving up the price. <laughs> like if <laughs> they are going to get rid of him. He's definitely driving up the price. He's worth more now than he was even five games ago. So, yeah, I guess if you're Geelong, you want him to have a great season regardless because, Mm. you know, either way he can maybe take you to the finals and a flag. But secondly, if he is going to go back to Western Australia. And it seems like like to him that it's not about him not liking playing at Geelong. It seems like that he has genuine family connections over there and wants to get back to Western Australia. Yeah, he's homesick, Will. 
I mean, that's as we know, that's the the second most important thing of any player is like, are you near home? Even though you're grown yeah. men and professional athletes, homesickness is a valid reason. Well, I think everybody else's homesickness has spoiled it for Tim Kelly, who genuinely has some homesickness. Yeah, yeah. Like because it's the lie that every other player tells when they want to leave. Yeah, I like Shaki. Like somebody- yeah, it's the boys. It's the boy who cried wolf. Yeah. Like he is actually homesick. He's like, you assholes. The reason that I can't get home is that you all absolutely lied about everything. Um, he is, I, if I were Geelong, I'd just be constantly, you know, running down Western Australia, just like a subtle campaign of like, you know, leaking bad news out of Western Australia, leaving around crime statistics compared to Geelong, you know, like <laughs> menus that have the cost of coffee compared yeah. to what, you know, you pay for a coffee in Geelong. You know, I would just be constantly, subtly running down Western Australia. Well, what you'd also want to be hoping for if you're a Geelong fan, it doesn't look at this stage, is that either West Coast or Frio has a dud season. So if you do end up having to go to the trade table, that you get a pretty good draft pick. Because at this stage too, the two earliest picks that Frio and West Coast might get might be a first and second round. Yeah, future picks. They could always trade a future yeah. pick. You could make a bet on a future pick. I mean, how's um, Frio? Frio? I know you picked Frio as your joke uh, lock of the week last week, but fuck, mate. I mean, your George Costanzering last week must have worked a treat this round. I mean, there was... I've got to be honest with you. There was a few where I was just like, I said to people later, you know, I picked that. And they were like, oh, my God. And I didn't explain that I picked it as a joke. So your cat has now jumped in front of your computer. So it looks like you have a giant Merv Hughes type mustache. It's put its tail in front of the camera. So you've got a giant mo. (laughs) Um, uh, Saints? Yes. Very exciting. It's, uh, it's, it's, uh, It's a strange feeling. I haven't felt... What's that uh, line in The Simpsons? Where it's like, I'm not, I'm not feeling shame. What's the opposite of shame? It's like pride. No, no, no. Too much. Not pride just yet. But the opposite of shame is what I feel about my football club right now. It's, Maybe that um, should be the banner this week. St Kilda, the opposite of shame. <laughs> I think I said to you when we recorded our other podcast, TOEFOP, which is available on TOEFOP.com, um, I get the sense they ha- the Saints are playing now with that intensity that the the teams like Richmond and Bulldogs played with were in their premiership years. There's that kind of full team uh, defense, but they seem to genuinely want to play for each other. Like there is this kind of buzz around them. Like you can sort of sense it from watching the game is that they get numbers back. They're willing to sacrifice, you know, the personal glory for the team thing. It's very exciting to watch it. Look, Every win we've had this season, the story has always been about what happened to the opposition. So, like, until we beat, like, a Collingwood or a Richmond or a West Coast, I think that maybe there's still going to be question marks. But I like what I'm seeing. Considering where our expectations were at the start of the year, if we keep playing like this, and if you keep seeing players like Billings is just having an absolute blinder. Like, I don't know what the change was if it's just the, the the positioning in the midfield or if it's just his body's filled out or whatever, but he's a genuine superstar now. Like averaging 30 touches a game, kicked a, at least two goals in, in three out of the five games. He looks he looks great. Yeah, and they that uh, third quarter on the weekend, because like you were at the Blues Fest in Byron Bay and I didn't yeah. know whether you were watching the game or not, so I, I decided that I wouldn't message you. But that third quarter was awesome. Yeah, that's that's probably the best quarter of footy. I mean, we had a game out of the box against Richmond two years ago where we smashed them, but that felt like something that was an aberration where this sort of felt like we were building towards something like this. And 
it's interesting too because it's it's really about that defense like when we were playing well under Rossline all those years ago we had a we had like five genuine superstars and then a whole bunch of role players but what got us through those games was just that team defense just getting numbers back and you've just got to like tackle like crazy and how's Jaron Geary like Jaron Geary goes into the game with a corked thigh receives a cork in exactly the same spot then has to go to a hospital to get his legs sliced open and apparently open apparently it's like the full like thigh muscle the entire like thigh muscle so f- five or six weeks and that's a guy who i think he the uh, went in with an injury had an injury in the third quarter then played out the game and i think it's kind of emblematic of how the team's playing at the moment there is this kind of like self-sacrifice so it's exciting stuff exciting times will great to be an ambassador for for the club this year i was a bit worried I mean, uh, is it too early to claim that you're what's turned them around no, never. No, of course. I think uh, we've been building this for 42 years. <laughs> I think there's a lot of Saints fans who are uh, eating humble pie at the moment. Like, I know I shouldn't, but I often go to Saintsational, the Saint Kilda Forum. All my other Saints friends tell me you should never go there. But, like, at the start of the season, the kind of negativity was so high and people were placing bets on when Alan Richardson was going to get sacked and... One guy even said the worst result that could happen this year is for us to win games because that means Richo will get an extension on his contract. <laughs> like a complete like lack of, of, of foresight and intelligence is going around because they just felt so scarred by last year. I mean, last year is kind of a bit like what you guys are experiencing this year. I mean, if I'd said before this season that you were going to lose to Gold Coast and Carlton in the first five rounds, would you have taken the year off? Well, if I if you'd said to me at the start of the season we, we were going to lose to Gold Coast and Carlton in the first five rounds, I assume that we were zero and five. So the fact that we're not zero and five, I guess there's some upside to that. <laughs> like, what is what is what is going on? Like, wh- wh- all right, two questions: What's going on? And secondly, where does this put Bevo? Like, in terms of the firing line, there's a couple other coaches who seem to be ahead of the queue in terms of like media heat. Brad Scott. And uh, Simon Goodwin. But where do you think Bevo sits in that? Uh, fine. He's fine. I don't think there's any issues with uh, Bevo down at the club. Um, I was hoping, because uh, Bevo came to my show on Thursday <laughs> night, and last time he came to my show, uh, we won the premiership. And when he handed me that signed football uh, last Thursday night, I was like, here we go. This is the start <laughs> of it. It's, it's on the roll from now on in. We'll roll over Carlton and then, then we just charge toward the finals and it turns out that I'm the good omen, but uh, it turns out I'm not the good omen. Uh, I, look, honestly, I think we're at where I thought we were at before the season started, that we just don't have enough big people. Um, and as soon as we come up against clubs that have genuine big people, particularly... Well, I mean, English got killed by Brody Grundy, you know, when we played those guys. And then on the weekend, you know, Harry McKay, Harry McKay, what is he? Is he McKay or McKay? Uh, McKay, I think. I think the other, the McKay. old guy. So Harry McKay and uh, Levi Casbolt, you know, they're just both way too big for us. We just could not do anything about either of them. We're massively undermanned when it comes to, to size in our team. So our only real hope was that we played that, you know, that fast, you know, small ball and that that would be enough. But at the moment, clearly it's not. And so can I ask, having won the flag in 2016, does that make a year like you're having so far more frustrating or are you able to go, well, at least we've got a flag? 
No, nah, at least we got a flag. Yeah. I mean, I think I'd feel that way as well. I don't ask yeah. for much. I mean, Hawthorne supporters right now are spitting out their Chardonnay, going, what? Yeah. You're happy with one flag? Yeah, I went and saw um, Avengers Endgame last night. Put it this way. Uh, I was happy enough with that that I don't care if the next Marvel movie shit. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> they nailed Endgame. Oh, by the way, I saw the Bulldogs. The Bulldogs were there at Endgame last oh, night. Oh, really? Yeah, and... Uh, it made me mad for a couple of reasons because, firstly, um, none of them came to my show and in games <laughs> three hours. They were both on at the same time, so they can't claim that it's like too late at night or whatever. They were happy to come out with, for bloody Chris Hemsworth, you know, playing Thor, but they weren't happy to come out and see my stand-up show. But secondly, I didn't want to talk to them. I was still too mad about the weekend. And normally when I see the Bulldogs, you know, I want to go and say hello to Bond. I want to go, you know, and I just couldn't. I was like, I'm going to, I pulled my oh, cap you down further them. so that they wouldn't see me. Do you think that'll be part of the team meeting this week? It's like, guys, we've lost Anderson. He snubbed us yeah. at Avengers Endgame. Yeah. Did you notice how he walked by us with his head down and his cap pulled down thinking that we didn't notice he was there? We noticed. Yeah, well, I noticed you guys were there as well, but I didn't want to say hello because I was still mad. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I think too. It, it's an, this. This week has been another example of everyone just shut the hell up. Like all these mm. prognostications about, you know, what wins mean and who's going to make the finals based on history. Just, just shut up. Like people forget that pre-season, everyone was talking up Carlton's youth, and in the first two games, they got close. They showed enough signs, and then you know they stuffed it up, and then the big. The big scare was leading against Gold Coast and losing that game. But if they'd won that, and then they'd won this one, they'd be two, uh, two and three, and they'd be whereabouts everyone kind of predicted. So it's just the pearl clutching in the in the analysis on the Monday that sort of really pisses me off. That everyone starts like, well, this coach is gone, this team's gone. I mean, Adelaide apparently back now. One win against the Gold Coast, and everyone's like, oh, they got their mojo back. It's like, come on, dudes, chill. Well. Alan Richardson was getting sacked, remember, you know, if he lost the first round against Gold Coast, he was going to get sacked. And then yesterday on the radio, I heard someone refer to him as coach of the year. <laughs> like, that's a thing about footy fans. It's like bipolarism. It's like deep lows or, or, or just extreme highs. Like there is no centrists in football fandom. <laughs> yeah, we're all in our confirmation bias circles. <laughs> it's true. Like, I was thinking about that. If we play Adelaide this weekend, and it's like, Well, that's, right. isn't that the equivalent, like, you know, when you go on, like, Big Footy or, like, Sensational or whatever? That's the, Sensational is essentially the info wars. Oh, mate, <laughs> it is so the info wars. The paranoia on Sensational. And the thing is, too, like, I'm not a member of Sensational. I just go in and observe. Like, I stand there silently in these, like, chat rooms and just see the crazy shit. And... There's drama playing out. Like, I've learned the names of uh, uh, all the regular posters. I know who they are, and I, I kind of know their personalities now. And they just use it as a, as a chance to get online and attack each other or predictions that one person made or you were, wrote off this player. Like, it's, it's not supporting the club. It's attacking each other. Yeah. <laughs> we're tearing each other apart, guys. It's, it's like the autoimmune disease of the St. Gilda Football Club. It's just attacking itself. <laughs> but they will have paranoid theories anytime. Like an umpiring, if there's questionable umpiring uh, a ratio, or you know, um, uh, we 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 don't we don't get programmed into prime time. It's like, well, the AFL's always hated St Kilda, always hated St Kilda. And it's like, if they hated us, they wouldn't have bailed us out ten million dollars. They wouldn't invest heavily. If they really hated us, they would allow us to die. Like, 
shut up. Well, the other one is like uh, Geary is a good example of the turnaround in people's perceptions yes. because like that I was Joel Selwood. Yeah, like I, I remember a year and a half ago, everyone was like, "Who? Do you mean Phil Cleary? Who are you talking about? Is his name Shannon? Jaron? <laughs> Jannon? Like what? Who are we talking about? And when you say everyone, Dennis you mean Leary. you and I? <laughs> I'm a St Kilda yeah. supporter, and you're you're a St Kilda ambassador. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> knew though. And now he's like, yeah, he's on par with Joel Selwood. And like, do you think that St Kilda will struggle without him? Like, is there is he like one of those players that you know the next five weeks or six weeks are going to be very hard without his leadership mm. out on the field? I think, yeah. I mean, I, I think most his leadership comes from the sacrificial play, like what, uh, like the corky he got. But it's also just marshalling that back line. The problem is. Our three seen most senior defenders, Carlisle, Roberton, and Geary, are now out. So our back line, I think half of them have played less than, you know, 30 games. So uh, it just depends. It just depends on, on how well drilled they are, if they need to have that general out there marshalling the troops, like that, you know, Luke Hodge type character. But I don't know. I mean, the players they talk about bringing in, D-Mac um, will probably come in for Geary, and he's played you know, 50-plus games. So I think it would be all right. But if we have to bring in a guy who's under 20 games, maybe. It just depends. Depends who goes on, on Eddie. I mean, he was amazing. Did you see uh, that any of that game? Eddie Betts. Like, wasn't that just exactly – because the last few games, it's kind of looked like maybe Eddie's getting towards the end of his career and it wasn't quite happening for him in the way that it used to. And he was kind of emblemic of Adelaide's problems that they were having. And mm. then that was just – why everybody loves Eddie Betts. Yeah. Like, just a sensational game. But that goal is... Like, that's one of his best goals he's ever kicked. It was amazing. He made it look so easy that I think people even underestimate how good it was. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people who are like, well, he's kicked better and it wasn't that great. But you've got to remember, that's a check side off his left foot. He's a right footer. Have you... I mean, kicking a check side on your, on your preferred foot is impossible. He did it off one step on his wrong foot and it went through one, the middle. One step, left foot, check side from what? 35 metres out? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nah, it was amazing. Like, in terms of a big game player, he's probably got to be one of the best. In, in terms of small forwards, like, I know everyone brings up Lee Matthews. Do you think that start. was his problem um, at Carlton? He's a big game player. And <laughs> yeah, he's never no played games. in any big games. Sorry, Carlton. You did beat us on the weekend. I I know that you know that Carlton's in the doldrums though. I said this to I ran into Adam Rosenbach, and he is a um you know died in the world Carlton fan. He was at the game, but I actually said to Rosie that um uh you know it's a good example of how down Carlton have been because I've got so many friends who are Carlton fans and none of them even bothered to like message me to hang shit on me. Like Carlton yeah. fans are so beaten down that even in that moment they just couldn't take it to gloat. Well, it is, th- th- what, their third win or their fourth win in 57 games or something like that. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of weird. We've gotten so used to Carlton being shit, it is hard to remember that they were one of the big four Victorian clubs, you know? Up mm. until, what, 2000? Was that when the, the decline started? Yeah, basically up until um, they cracked down on cheating. Yeah. While you were still allowed to cheat in the uh, <laughs> VFL and AFL, Carlton were a great team because they were probably the best at cheating um, of all the teams. And uh, people forget how much not being able to cheat anymore has really brought them back to the pack. <laughs> They're the real victims of not being able to cheat in football anymore. I've got a friend of mine. 
He's in a WhatsApp group with several Carlton legends, ex-players and, and, and legends. And uh, he's been sharing with me some of the conversations that have been going around. And it's fair to say they are not happy with the current state of things. So they have a secret WhatsApp group, these uh, former Carlton players. Much like their payments used to be secret. (laughs) So, again, very on brand. Well, that's what they say in the WhatsApp group. Why don't we just pay a guy $30,000 off the books? Yeah, just give a guy a car or whatever. Get Dangerfield. Oh, speaking speaking of which, did you see that Dylan Shield has got a, a cushy job? With a um, Essendon sponsor? Oh no, really? Uh, it's the new, the new Chris Judd, mate. What is the job? What, what's the job? Uh, no, it is something that he's actually interested in. Like, but it's also one of those things where you're like, oh, well, that's, oh, well, that's, that's very that's, handy, isn't it? Yeah, that's outside the cap, I imagine. <laughs> Extra hundred thousand. Yeah. Is that like um, when they gave Peter Bell a uh, McDonald's franchise to go to Freo? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So, oh, here we go. Didn't did Peter Bell ever work? You know, at the McDonald's franchise? Do you think? Did he? Uh... Yeah, fries. <laughs> yeah, no, he worked there. Uh, McHappy Day. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that was. Hang on. Oh, I'm looking up the article. My cat is going crazy today. Oh, um, all right. Uh, so, Essendon uh, recruit Dylan Shield to earn thousands from side job working for Bombers Power Broker and property tycoon Mark Casey. Um, so, uh, the AFL have ticked off on the arrangement. Shield has joined Property Tycoon, uh, former Essendonians Coterie Club president Mark Casey at his company Casey Capital. Uh, employed on a part time basis to learn the property game. For life after football. <laughs> that is uh, not a job. <laughs> that is clearly not a job. Because he did take a bit less. I think North and the Saints were offering more money. He took less to go to Essendon. But now that makes sense. Why? Yeah, I don't think he took less to go to Essendon. <laughs> he, took, he just more. took it in a different way. <laughs> Speaking of the Bombers, back. They're back in town. Big Joe's back. Dylan Shields giving them the zip they need. What happened in that first two rounds? Were they just half asleep? I think that they definitely had a slow start to the season for reasons that I, I can't explain and I'm not sure that they can explain. Uh, but, yeah, they are. They, they feel like they're back. They just played – it cost them $20,000 to play down to her. Like, Why is that? He wasn't, well, he wasn't named. Oh. And so he was a late substitution and he wasn't named. So the AFL fined them $20,000. Would you say, Will, they were playing Ducks and Drakes? I mean – the funny thing is that at the press conference, the who, so who do they play again on the who did they North. beat on the weekend? Good Friday, North. That's right. So um, Brad, Scott I know it's, was it's, like, it's yeah. completely understandable that you would have forgotten. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> even Wayne Gary says North are irrelevant. I mean, doesn't that sum it up more than anything? I remember seeing Essendon play, and I couldn't remember who they played. <laughs> Do you reckon North are a bit irrelevant at the moment? <laughs> I think Essendon were playing against some witches' cones, I believe, Charlie. Um, yeah, they uh, they were. Uh, oh, so Brad Scott said at his press conference earlier in the week that he expected that Danaher was going to play. So I think Essendon were the only ones who didn't expect that Danaher was going to play when they I named think, him. I think football is better when Joe Danaher's running around. I just like his enthusiasm. You know, the, after he bombed that that goal from outside fifty, it's like yeah. 
I, I like the fact that you don't, you're not one of these cut and dried professional footballers. You genuinely seem to love being out there and you don't seem to take mistakes too seriously. That's what I like about Joe. Yeah, it's maybe not what his coaching staff like. No, about no. <laughs> He's like, eh, I made a mistake. Eh, chill out, man. Chill out. Eh. And so with North, I know they're irrelevant and we don't need to talk about them, but we should because yeah, they had a pretty good year last year. They finished just outside the eight. They obviously loaded up with a couple of big name recruits. They thought they were a lot closer than where they were. Were they further away? Is it just a slow start to the season? Well, firstly, I tuned in with a little bit of interest to this because I wanted to check out um, Pittard and how gothy he was. Pretty goth, I will right? report. Pretty goth. Yeah, Very goth. Definitely pretty goth. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't know what's going on with North because I thought North last year were. I could understand why they would recruit those people. Mm-hmm. You know, what did they finish ninth or whatever? Ninth. And you think yeah. give them a bit of class, add some extra people in there. Yeah, get them into the finals. It seemed like the right thing to do. I, I felt like they got good players. Yeah, structurally, if you look down the line, they seem to have the right players in the right roles. Like they, yeah. everything should be working for them, but it, it's not for some. It's a bit like Melbourne. I mean, Melbourne have all those players out there, but they, I mean, you don't use injuries as an excuse, but they looked fucking slow, Melbourne. I mean, we are a fast side, but they just couldn't cover. They couldn't cover the ground at all. I mean, uh, poor old Jordan Lewis. I mean, straight back in from injury. He obviously needed a couple of games in the twos. And also like Nathan Jones as well. You just wonder with those old kind of inside midfielders. You know, you understand you want them to hang hang on. But I don't know. I don't know. When you look at their inside grunt with Viney and Clayton Oliver, you wonder, is Nathan Jones, do they need, do they need him? Should they really be bringing in someone younger who can cover the ground better? Well, people do say their midfield might be a bit one-paced. Like mm. that they have a bunch of those kind of good inside guys, but they don't necessarily have that, you know, speed outside. But it feels like it's their forward line and back line. That it doesn't feel like their midfield is actually the problem with Melbourne. I reckon it falls down, you know, down back, falls down, down forward. So I mean it would have been horrible for them, obviously, on the weekend to see Hogan, you know, have probably the best game he's ever played in his career, because they would have been like, Oh yeah, no, he he he'd be handy right now. Um I think with Melbourne Look, I, I, you know, am obviously not, you know, completely unbiased when it comes to the Melbourne football. <laughs> oh, club, really? Really? I've never noticed. On the weekend, I did hear a lot of commentators. In fact, one of them suggested, Charlie, it might have had to do uh, with what they'd been drinking in the lead up to the game. Mm. Mm. Shower mm. water, Will? No, not shower water. No, it wasn't shower water they'd oh. been drinking. Uh, water out of the sink after they brushed their teeth? No, not sink water. They hadn't been drinking their own sink water. I can't imagine what they might have drunk that would give them a, a sense of uh, arrogance. Oh, I know. It was a bathwater, Will. They were. Apparently, they'd spent too much time in the preseason drinking their own bathwater. Apparently, they, brought- they all came back fat. They all... This is what you're hearing now. They are all fat. They all came back fat. Uh, it was like Full an audition of episode of The Biggest Loser. Um, they all had big heads. That's how no, no one noticed they were that fat because their yeah. heads were so big that their bodies looked in proportion with the rest of them. They came back with skis trapped to their feet and they're all running downhill because that came out as well, um, the downhill skiers. Yeah, so look, there, there seems to be a perception across the industry that they got a little ahead of themselves. Well, the thing that I 
why I don't reckon they're downhill skiers is my understanding of downhill skiers are these are the guys who, when you have the ball and you're running into attack, you know, you'll, you'll have an, all your players running forward to get the easy handball to have a shot on goal. That's a downhill skier to me. But they couldn't get into defense or attack. Like St Kilda got numbers to the ball everywhere. And I think it was just a work rate thing. So I, the fitness thing to me seems the most likely. I mean, the thing about Jack Viney and Clayton Oliver too is – we had to play a really contested, hard inside game because one tackle doesn't stop Jack Viney. Like, there's a, there's a piece of play that they played in the highlights where it's like showing St Kilda's intensity where we laid like seven tackles in one passage of play. But that was because Clayton Oliver and Jack Viney broke about three tackles between them. Like, you have to have repeat efforts against those guys. I mean, I, 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 they still have a really good side. They've just got to get their shit together and get fit. Yeah, I agree with that. Like, I mean, they, I'm, on paper, they're still an extremely talented side and you can't imagine that they're... You imagine at some stage they're going to get it together. But I hope that that stage will be when they make an amazing run towards the finals and just miss out. <laughs> uh, Port Adelaide. Was it Port Adelaide or Frio? Was that the, the, the best winner around? Both pretty good, aren't they? Um, yeah. I mean, Port, probably the most unexpected because they embarrassed West Coast. Mm-hmm. Like, West Coast looked terrible. West Coast, I can't remember the last time that I watched a West Coast game and thought that they got looked terrible. Yeah. Because I, they're just one of those teams that normally, you know, you know are, are in it, particularly the last year or so, you just yeah. feel like they're in every single game. So to see them just so completely embarrassed was, it was actually, it was, it was hard to, it was hard to watch. Well, um, a friend of the show, Scott James Heard Dooley, uh, tweeted a link uh, after the game to the West Australian uh, to a really bizarre article. This was a write-up um, on Friday, which is, the headline is, three-word analysis of every West Coast player in the hefty loss to Port Adelaide. Oh, awesome. Awesome. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. So, Jack Darling. Frustrating, dirty night. Okay. Yeah, all right. Nice. Also sounds like so far like Brian Adams songs. Yeah. <laughs> Shannon Hearn. Fought against Tide. Yeah, you know what? That's a very on-brand Shannon Hearn thing to do, isn't it? Regardless of the situation, Shannon Hearn will give you a go. So yeah, fought against Tide. Uh, Mark Hutchings, who I assume is a midfielder. Don't know. Do you know who Mark Hutchings is? Could you pick him? Describe him. What does he look like? Uh, he wears a... You know him. He's got a yellow and blue... <laughs> Mate, we didn't know any of the West Coast players a year ago. It's too much to expect me to know who Mark Hutchings is. So his three-word description is struggled against Boke. Now <laughs> my three-word my three-word description is who is he? <laughs> <laughs> struggled against Boke. It's not really. That's more of a statement than a than an insight, isn't it? Is is the is the idea that is he a, their tagger or something? I is he their so. kind of you know guy know. who goes? Mate, to I, you, I just asked you who he is. <laughs> And now you want me to know what I'm speculating now. I'm just wildly speculating by the, by the fact that he played on Boke, that perhaps he's their yeah, go-to guy. Uh, Michael, can you just find, can you get us some info on Mark Hutchings mm-hmm. while I, I, I continue down this list? Okay, Brad Shepard, Never Stop Trying, which I believe is also the name of Justin Bieber's uh, concert film. <laughs> Chris Maston, now here's a slap. Okay. Shocker, comma, barely sighted. Shocker, barely sighted. Was he yeah. Was he not at the game? Hang on. If you're going to say these are three-word reviews of each player, can you use punctuation? Shocker, comma, barely sighted? Yeah, that's fine. Punctuation right. doesn't count as a word. Jerry McGovern. 
G loves pies. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not what it said. <laughs> Jeremy McGovern battled, comma, huge. You want to guess what the last word is? Balls? <laughs> Workload. Is there, is there any chance that his balls swelled up in the wet conditions? And it was tough. I mean, a tough game with all the chafing. Uh, Mark Hutchings uh, is an Australian rules footballer who plays for the West Coast Eagles. Uh, captain his state, 2009. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. Uh, finished second in the Sandover Medal. Uh, drafted by West Coast in the 2012 National Draft. Um, okay. Yeah. He's 28 Pretty years cool. old and I've never heard of him. How many games have you played? Um, He's played 100 know. games. That was 100 his hun- games. That, that must have been his hundy on the weekend. And, and, and what was the description of, of his 100th game? <laughs> uh, struggled against Boke. <laughs> right. Well, there you so, go. Remember that. In Adelaide, you've got Eddie kicking six in his 300th. And then you've got old poor old Mark Hutchins. Struggled. Struggled against Buck. Nathan Vardy. Spot in Jeopardy. Oh, the TV show? Yes. You can yeah. see him. He's a contestant. Well, I, I was going to say maybe even the host, because hasn't Alex Trebek taken uh, some time off or yeah, finished up on Jeopardy because he's uh, battling cancer. So is there any chance that Nathan Vardy, formerly of the Geelong Football Club, now of uh, the West Coast Eagles, is going to be the new host of Jeopardy in the US? Yes, I think that's highly likely. Lewis Jetta, impressive upon return. Okay. All right. Luke Shuey, held head high. A bit of alliteration there. Yeah. Andrew Gaff. Didn't punch anyone. <laughs> Apologised to family. <laughs> Andrew Gaff, prolific once again. Mm. Dom Sheed, forgettable despite possessions. Oh, okay. Liam Ryan, energy without reward. Mm. Now that has uh, a bit of a kind of like uh, your moment of zen, doesn't it? Don't use energy without energy reward. Energy without, without reward. reward. Nah, to me, that's more like um, having one of those uh, Gurana shots yeah, or whatever it is. It's yeah. like, you know, it's energy, but, you know, it's, it's, it tastes disgusting and you don't feel <laughs> rewarded by it. Josh Kennedy, JJK, very mm. well held. Oh, okay. <laughs> this is probably the most damning one, in my opinion. Jamie Cripps, just mm. one kick. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I kind of feel like this is probably where the uh, idea for the article started. Like he had to, he was writing an assessment. He's like, Jamie Cripps, just one kick. All right, let's do it. Three words for the rest of them. No, I I think that's uh, completely untrue because if you just started, you could have, like, it could have been two words. It could have just been one kick. Yeah. You don't actually have to emphasize just one kick. Yeah, Everybody knows point. that one kick isn't, it's not like that's the positive spin. Had one kick. You're one right. One great kick. <laughs> You're right. I mean, he's really leaned into it by including the just at the start of the sentence. Yeah. Well, he probably was like, I'm just going to go one kick, but I've set this precedent of them all being three words, so I'm going to have to come up with a qualifier. <laughs> just one kick. Tossed up between just and only. Uh, Will Schofield, up and down. <laughs> well, well, thanks <laughs> for that remarkable insight. <laughs> Elliot Yo, rare quiet night. 
Okay. Yeah. Well, he's been on. That's 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 being nice, isn't it? It's like when somebody says has a rare quiet night, you're saying they're normally a really good player. But yeah, tonight a, we're forgiving them a one quiet, a rare quiet night. It also sounds like an art house film that might be nominated for best foreign film at the Oscars or something. Rare quiet mm. night. Rare quiet night. Jack Petricelli. <laughs> Completely in Spanish, all subtitles. Rare quiet night. Jack Petricelli. Uh, entire. Now he's cheating here because he used a, a hyphen. Entire Ooh. first half score. That's four words, right? <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to say that does seem like it's four words. <laughs> Jack Redden, scrappy like others. <laughs> I mean, again, really like others is unnecessary. Unnecessary. You know, like scrappy would have got the job done, but had to, had to fill out the three word count like others. Just so scrappy. Uh, Oscar Allen, conditions didn't suit. Liam Duggan, not Eagles' worst. <laughs> Tom Hickey, Lysette, comma, Ryder, better. Oh, okay, that's. I mean, yeah, okay, you, that's fine. You, uh, how could you have reworded that though? The worst Ruckman? Uh, uh, well, uh, beaten in ruck. Beaten in ruck. Uh, yeah, because I guess what he's saying is he wasn't the worst player on the ground, but he was the worst ruckman on the ground. Beaten in ruck would have been better. And last one, Tom Cole, constantly under pressure. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, if you put Cole under pressure, you get diamonds, guys. Hey. So what an article from the Western Australian. Uh, well, good on the Western Australian. Good to see that quality journalism still exists in Australia. I, um, we uh, need to start finishing up because we okay. uh, have a time limit today. Uh, should we look ahead? Do we have any mail that we need to get to? What, oh, do, what do we need to we achieve? We look at some mail if you want. Yep. All right. Why don't we read a couple of letters and then we can get to Wrap up. the right. rest of the round. Oh, wow. We've got a l- mailbag's gone crazy. Yeah. Well, let's do a couple of them. Yeah. All right. Uh, this is from Will. Hey, love the pod. Strange to be using Messenger, but oh well. Can we have a convoluted nickname for an AFL concept, not a player? In World War II, pilots created mythical creatures that caused all sorts of mayhem to their planes. These were called gremlins. In footy, Mm. when someone keeps missing their shot on goal, they're said to have the yips, or they couldn't hit the side of a barn door. If If we combine those two ideas, barn and yips, maybe these players are haunted by the bun yips. A creature from Indigenous Dreaming. <laughs> After a string of bad shots on goal, the bunyip could be said to haunt a particular player or location during the game and maybe move on to another player after a great goal. Like the wooden spoon for worst team, we should keep track of the bunyip for worst shots on goal. At the moment, Adelaide have the bunyip with 37% scoring accuracy. Doggies and Saints aren't doing much better. That was from the 13th of April. Well, we kicked 15-5 on the weekend, so the bunyip is off our back. Well, the bunyip is still on the dog's back because uh, I think we had as many scoring shots basically as Carlton on the weekend. Uh, so I like the bunyips. Uh, I like to think it's, it'd be like the duck in cricket. 
So yeah. like when one of the players misses a shot, like a little cartoon bunyip maybe appears across the screen or maybe even on the scoreboard just to embarrass them in front of everybody. I like the idea that if you know there's a particular player who has got the bunyips that you know, people in the crowd would start dressing you know, yeah. as a bunyip and kind of yeah. like you know stand behind the goals trying to put them off. Well, I like the idea of, you know, like the duck. Uh, I mean, I haven't watched cricket in a long time, but do they still do the animated duck walking across the screen when a player yeah. goes out for a duck? All right, so, so every time someone misses a shot on goal, a bunyip dances across the screen. I'm all for that. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> and next uh, message is from Niche or Niche, N-I-C-H. Let's say Niche. Hey, Will and Charlie. Was listening to uh, your round four, four podcast today and hearing that Charlie was watching the Saints games on Fast Forward, I was reminded of his story. My mate is also a Saints fan. He told me about his uncle who would tape the Saints games on his VCR in the early 90s, but would utilize the pause and stop button so that he only recorded the game when the Saints were in possession. Anyway, keep <laughs> up the good work. <laughs> so he just had tapes and tapes and tapes. It's St. Kilda holding the ball. I love it. I would definitely do that. Well, that's essentially, you know, what happened when, like, you know, internet porn sites came along. You know, people got rid of all the the plot in porno movies and just went straight to the hardcore stuff. And he's done a football version of that. Uh, Jordan writes in, Hey, boys, love your stuff. In light of your successful rebrand of the Gold Coast Suns to the Gold Coast Nangs, I've had a few ideas for catchy team name changes. Greater Western Sydney are no longer the Giants and are now the Great White Sharks to be known as the GW, to be known as GWS GWS. <laughs> That's good. I love it. And of course, the Geelong Caps and the Western Bong Dogs. <laughs> All right. I mean, I think you started really well, but the Western Bong Dogs. Not really trying. <laughs> Uh, I like the GWS, GWS, though. That, that's, that, that I do love. All right. One more letter? Yep. All right. This is from... Hang on. I can't read that one. <laughs> just read ahead. <laughs> no, definitely can't read that one. Jeez. All right, guys. Come on. Keep it clean. <laughs> just scrolling through some of these. <laughs> um, you know what? I haven't had time to proof these. Let's just move on to the okay. games next week. I don't want people booing our next podcast. <laughs> No, that's a good point. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, right. tonight, Richmond take on Melbourne after a five-day break at the MCG. A resurgent Richmond who have found some young players. They've found a guy called Shortstack or something, I believe. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, Shortstack. That's his name. Um, quick turnaround for the Tigers. Uh, Dustin Martin, no longer in his Puma boots. Uh, which is a big story because he had like a four-year deal and he's like opted out of his four-year Puma boot deal and he was wearing Nikes last week. So I didn't know that. Did he break his contract yeah. or did the contract come to an end? The, no, like he, it was, he was only first year in and it seems like from the stories that are going around at the moment that it was uh, Martin's end of it that have pulled out of the Puma deal, not Puma like, you know, dumping Martin. And right. at least the story that's going around at the moment, although... You know, Ralph Carr's involved, so who knows what who the knows. real story is. But um, let's just say that uh, the story at the moment is that he just uh, didn't like their new boots that they wanted him to wear. And uh, he's looking for, because he's been in a bit of, you know, a form slump and all these sort of things, he's looking for a, a pair of boots that he really loves. Now, that's weird because he also wore Puma boots in that season where he played the greatest season of AFL that everyone's ever played. But apparently they've got some new boots that they want him to wear. I couldn't understand... 
There's a lot of holes in this story for me because I can't yeah. understand why you wouldn't just wear the old Puma boots and you could just say they were the new Puma boots. Or I believe in the past, some players have even done the thing where they wear, you know, Nike boots, but you just put the, you know, the Puma logo on them or whatever. Well, if Ralph Carr's involved, uh, it's probably has something to do with uh, money. <laughs> money changing hands, money not being <clears throat> changing hands. Maybe Ralph... Uh, invested in an ostrich farm, <laughs> realised that Nike was offering a bigger contract. <laughs> Ralph took Dusty's contract, bought some magic beans on the way home. Yeah, if we see Dustin Martin playing in a pair of Crocs, we'll, yeah. <laughs> we'll know that Ralph Carr's involved. Yeah. Uh, okay, so who are you going to pick in this game? Richmond for me. Yeah, tight. I mean... Are you, George, I are, you gonna, are you going to George Costanza it? Not this week? Well, no, because... Melbourne is immune to my George Costanza, <laughs> but I will say this: that with all the heat that's been on Melbourne and Richmond, you know, tight turnaround, big game. Richmond's still undermanned. You wonder if Lynch is going to be able to, you know, turn around in such a short period of time. This could be one. It wouldn't surprise me if Melbourne came out and really had a go at this. And um, but no, Richmond. Yeah, I'm going to pick the Tigers as well. Okay, tomorrow night, uh, Essendon take on Collingwood at the MCG. Anzac Day tradition. This will be a good game, I reckon. Uh, Essendon have found their mojo. Collingwood are just chugging along. Uh, 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 do you have any... Do you, you go first. Let me think about this. Uh, well, I, th- I think it's great that Essendon are up and flying again. I think that's the really exciting thing. And if Essendon are able to reproduce that against Collingwood, they're a real chance to win this. But I, I still think that Collingwood are... You know, in that sort of three teams that are favourites mm. for the Premiership. So I reckon Collingwood would win this. Big crowd at the MCG on Anzac Day. Collingwood have had a pretty good record in the Anzac Day matches for the last... I think they've won like seven of the last nine or something like that. But um, So I'm going to say Collingwood. Big test for Essendon. You reckon if they're going to be taken seriously, a bit like the Saints, yep. they, if they're going to be taken seriously, they have to take a big scalp. So I'm going to pick the Bombers in this to get their season back on track. Friday night, Port take on North Melbourne and Adelaide Oval in the battle of. Yeah. I, I reckon Port. I reckon Port still are a chance to yeah make make and shape the finals this year. So I'm going to say Port. I don't think that North have got the recovery in them to turn it around in such a short period of time. I just feel like this is the kind of game that Port will drop, like the inspirational mm. win over West Coast, and then they lose to a lowly team. Um, so I'm going to pick North Melbourne and that's my luck of the week. I think that you're less locking in the idea that North Melbourne will recover enough to win it and more locking in the idea that Port after a huge victory might then just take their eye off the prize. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> it true. It feels like a very Port thing to do, but I hear you. Yeah, uh, I'm, 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 I'm picking a Port Adelaide loss as opposed to a North yeah. Melbourne triumph. Yeah, correct. Um, all right, on Saturday, Gold Coast uh, take on the Brisbane Lions, Charlie, in the Q Clash. Well, it's interesting you should say that, Will, because uh, I was contacted on Twitter uh, by a listener and journalist, Kieran Rooney, who says, mm. I will pay $50, a pineapple, to the first AFL journalist who this week starts referring to the Q Clash by its true name, the Pineapple Grapple. <laughs> the Pineapple Grapple. That's pretty good, right? And that actually sparked a thread of uh, fellow journos uh, in his mention. So I'll just read a few other suggestions. Uh, The Mango Tango. (laughs) 
The Redneck Rumble or the Bogan Bash. <laughs> Dan Anstey chimes in with the Banana Battle Rama. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, good one, Dan. <laughs> uh, the No One in Victoria Cares Cup. <laughs> the Banana Bender Defenders. The Queensland Quarrel or the Sunshine Stash. I think Pineapple All Grapple. All I've got to say is... I reckon uh, the pineapple grapple or the mango tango were <laughs> definitely my two favourites there. But why would you change the name of the Q Clash? It's the most exciting game in, in, in the season of football. I rank grand final, Q Clash, and then Anzac Day. They're my big yeah, three. Right. Showdown and Derby Derby. Don't even get a mention. No way. No way. The Q Clash, you know. I mean, I reckon this will be a pretty good game. Both teams haven't been up and about for a Q Clash for a while, so... You'd hope that this will be an absolute cracker, but Brisbane win for me. It's at Metricon. I don't know if that uh, means anything. It would be, uh, considering how excited we were, we were all on the Brisbane Lion bandwagon after that first three rounds, and it's really cooled off, hasn't it? Like, I don't know. I feel like I was maybe, um, I was tricked into liking Brisbane because I was one of their biggest supporters, but I haven't been impressed with them at all in the last two weeks. And so if they were to lose this game, then I'm, I'm, I'm right off the boil. I, to the point where we started this show talking about how there's too much hyperbole in AFL. But if they don't win this game, Will, then they will definitely not make finals. If they don't win this game, they should sack Dennis Pagan and Chris Fagan. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, no. Oh, gosh. Oh, no. Um, look, I will pick the Brisbane Lions as well. It's a must-win game. But you know what? Gold Coast aren't that bad. They're at home. Who knows what will happen? Uh, Saturday afternoon, the Saints host Adelaide at Marvel Stadium. Um, now this, it's not a must-win game because I think uh, we would probably go in favourites, would you say? Yeah, I, I reckon. Like, I think if Adelaide hadn't had that good win uh, last week, you would have been firm favourites. I think now it's a bit more of a, you know, even money, St Kilda probably slightly favourites for this. Yeah. I mean, I think we, we this is a game we should win just on form for the year. If we bring the same manic intensity, uh, I'm going to pick the Saints in this game. Mm, no Geary, no St Kilda as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> so <laughs> I've always said it. <laughs> no, no Shannon Geary. Uh, no Jason Geary. <laughs> no Shannon Leary. No St Kilda. <laughs> um, no, I'm gonna, I reckon the Saints win that as well. I reckon the Saints are, are good. I, 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 I'm hopeful that they will be able to continue this uh, high pressure you know, hard game that they're playing at the moment. Um, I, I'm enjoying watching it. And I think I think it'll be a really good game, that one. There's a lot of good games this weekend, actually. Each of these games has something to recommend for it, doesn't it? Yeah. And finally, we'll be able to um, potentially avenge the heartbreak of 97 by beating Adelaide in this uh, round six game. Yeah. That, that's the real Avengers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Sydney take on GWS in the Battle of the Bridge. Battle of the Bridge always just seems a bit boring when it comes, you know, when it's side by side with the Q Clash, though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, doesn't even. I mean, they yeah. shouldn't have them on the same weekend. Yeah. I mean, the Q Splits Clash the gets all the heat and nobody cares about the Battle of the Bridge. Yeah. Um, well, I guess the Battle of the Bridge, because it is the Anzac Bridge, isn't it? That, that is the actual bridge that they're battling over, not the Sydney Harbour Bridge. So I guess, you know, the Anzac weekend, it does make sense. Uh, GWS win this, I would have thought. Yeah, Sydney um, are in all sorts of trouble, I reckon. 
Um, have we talked about trading Lance Franklin? Did we talk about this last week? What do you reckon? What's How it's a complete bullshit story and it's never going to happen. And like, it's just one of those stupid stories that somebody comes up with five weeks into a season. What are you talking about? Whoever came up with a story that they might trade Buddy Franklin from Sydney. I think like, it's... I, there's Tom Morris at Fox Footy who came up with a story specifically. Oh, was it? I think so. Sorry, yeah. Tom Morris. I actually saw Tom Morris this morning. So I feel bad now that I'm about to call him a complete and utter idiot. But if it was you, Tom Morris, then you're an idiot. Because that is the stupidest story I've ever heard in my entire life. A, the idea that somehow Collingwood would do a deal with Sydney. Yeah, those two clubs that traditionally get on really well and really love making deals with each other and supporting each other through hard times. And secondly, why would Collingwood want Buddy Franklin? That makes absolutely no sense to me that somehow... What is that? Why would Collingwood in any way need Buddy Franklin on their list at the moment? That doesn't make sense. And why would Sydney... In this time, if Sydney are going to be a bit shit for a while to rebuild... The one person you do want on your list is a superstar that people still want to go to the football to watch. It makes no sense. If he wasn't, if he was the next tier down, so he was, uh, I mean, they don't really have a next tier. Who's the next tier down from Buddy? Josh Kennedy, I guess. Like Josh Kennedy, yeah. good player. If they, were, if they traded Josh Kennedy, would you be surprised for draft picks? I just don't think that they're going to do that. I just can't see them trading Clubs do any what are you their... talking about? Clubs do it all the time. Trade off yeah, a superstar. Yeah, they traded Hanabry. That's what they did last year. They traded Hanbury. They got a pretty good deal. They got a great deal. I think, I think you're still, fine. Still paying off his bloody salary cap. <laughs> uh, okay, your boys take on Fremantle over in the West. Uh, pretty frightening prospect considering what uh, Freo did last week. How you Fremantle on fire and the Bulldogs have been uh, terrible. So I'm going to say the Bulldogs go over to Western Australia and they... Uh, Beat Fremantle and my arms are above my head, Charlie, because that is my lock of the week. I'm going to pick Freo in that game. <laughs> That's my, my... No, I've done my lock, haven't I? All right. Uh, Sunday, Hawks take on Carlton in, in Utah, the state of Utah in the United States. Oh, is that right? Uh, Utahs? Is it uh, Tasmania? Yeah, Utahs. Yeah. Uh, uh, all right. So, Hawks and Carlton. Carlton. Hawk. Gee, Hawks are struggling a bit and they're... Got a few mm, more injuries, injuries, and Carlton got a win. Yeah, but Hawthorne and Tassie, they don't ever really lose there, do they? Mm. I don't know. I just reckon Clarko is just too wily to, to let them lose too many. Um, no, I'm going to pick Hawthorne in that game. I think Carlton will probably just, they've had their premiership, they've celebrated, they've had their yeah. mad Monday. Uh, yeah. I reckon yeah, uh, Will, will they have it. recovered from their week of celebrations <laughs> from yeah. winning their one game? It's a reality check. Uh, reality check. Yeah, Hawthorne. Hawthorne and Tassie, hard to beat. And the last game is uh, Geelong taking on West Coast in probably the match of the round at GMHBA Stadium. <sighs> I T- mean, the, Tim- the Tim Kelly Cup, really. This will be the game. This is where Geelong and West Coast are fighting over the services of Tim Kelly. Tim's going to take a lot of notice of West Coast in this game and see who he likes better. Yeah, that is actually very true. It's all for Tim. In fact, maybe yeah. they should make that agreement at the start. Wouldn't it be great if Adam Simpson and Chris Scott in the run-up just said, look, yeah. we've decided to solve this. Yeah, we're going to put... Yeah, today, and at the end, they actually present Tim Kelly. Yeah. Like, you know, much <laughs> like they'll present a trophy or whatever. They actually hand over Tim Kelly. 
Um, uh, Geelong at home. Yeah, Geelong at home. Although, I mean, Giants only a couple of weeks ago showed what you could do with GMHBA. I just don't know that West Coast... Yeah, Geelong at home. Geelong at home. Now, what am I even saying? Geelong, go Cats. It's a cat attack. Go Cats. The cat attack. Geelong. Um, all right. Uh, what do we have to promote? Nothing. Uh, that's Nothing. It, right? <laughs> that's it that's our show <laughs> um, you can go to tofop.com to check out our other podcast if you want to send us a message we have a Facebook page two guys one cup on Facebook just be careful when you're entering those details always include AFL when searching for two guys one cup there is a Premier League uh, version uh, well not a version of this podcast some guys who didn't bother checking their names when they came out with theirs um, but just generally for at least have filters on if you're going to be searching for two guys one cup that's all I'll say yeah and uh, at some stage, we'll squeeze in because we do love getting your messages uh, about stuff. Yeah. So w- w- let's try and squeeze in a, a mailbag episode and, yeah. and clear out some of our mailbag. Yeah. But after I, we've I, proofread yeah. some of the things that people have actually sent to us yeah, before I, we just I, read I, them out on air. I apologize. Will gave me a question without notice. So uh, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't prepared for that. The most um, dangerous thing in football, Charlie, a question without notice. <laughs> Play on, not 15. Well, we are two guys, one car.